0: I promised him a new building. It's there. It's just not here, but that's okay. Um, he said, "I'll come anyway." Uh, Greg Biddell, Pastor Greg Biddell, has been here, and Sue, we want to welcome you this morning. He's been here a couple of times, and we love this guy because he's a man of faith. And I, don't, I don't know about you, but I need faith all the time. Do you? That's me all over. I need faith, and uh, we want to. We encourage him to come up here and said, "Build our faith," because we're about to launch into a new. A whole new thing for our church, which will be right there in downtown Nambour. Um, I was actually moving some stuff yesterday with uh, Tim. And this old guy with no shoes and a big scraggly beard came up and started to talk to us and tell us why churches were bad. Um, and and I said, I said, I challenged him. I said, I double dare you to come along when we're here and check us out. And he said, oh, I don't know, mate. We're going to have fun in Nambour, I tell you. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, People say, aren't Nambour people weird? Yes, and we'll be amongst the weirdest there are. But Jesus died for every weird one of us. Did you know that? And so I think we've got a tremendous opportunity coming forward to bless our community. And uh, I've asked uh, Pastor Greg to come up and share his heart with us this morning. Why don't you put your hands together for Pastor Greg Bedell.
1: Now everybody's wondering why you pulled me up. God bless you. Whoa. I'm going to step forward a little bit so you can see my eyes. Now the reason I had him uh, pull me up is because some years ago I broke my knee. It was all smashed up and they operated on it and then they operated again. They took my knee out and they gave me a new knee. But when they sewed it back together, they sewed it um, about a, what, well, I don't know, five inches five inches all right and um and so uh, i have a little difficulty getting up that that high um let let me just introduce myself to begin with um who who has never met me before can i just see your hands oh lots of people um i uh i I don't tell people how old my wife is Uh, i don't like being bashed um but I can tell you this, I've been married 54 years to the same woman. And uh, we then <clears throat> became missionaries in Papua New Guinea from our early uh, 20s. And we were, with, uh, we were the first couple who left Australia with the organisation called YWAM. Now I know what this man, where is he, will we'll say YWAM stands for. Actually the truth is the letters YWAM stands for Youth Without Any Money. All right. My early days, uh, which is important to my testimony, my early days was at two years of age, I collapsed, they took me to hospital, they did some tests on me, they told my parents I had brain damage, um, I became a mute with a disease called meningitis <clears throat> and then I did speech therapy for two years Uh, Every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at the Camperdown Children's Hospital in Sydney, they said to my parents, your son will never, ever talk again. Um, And so I didn't. I just muttered and stammered and didn't say any words. (coughs) But um, uh, after a while, uh, things happened. We got born again. I want to share about that this morning. The title of my message this morning is Being a Missionary in Your Own Community." I wanted to call it, but my wife wouldn't let me, evangelize or fossilize. (laughs) Once you're born again, you're on the road to work on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. Let me quote a scripture. You all probably know this, but it's found in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15. And it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, That doesn't mean a couple of Christians. It means all the Christian world goes into all the world and preaches the gospel uh, to every creature and he who believes is baptized and he uh, ha- and will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. Even though I believe in prayer I want to tell you something I don't pray about everything I'm being honest with you I don't pray so much about the word of God. If God's word says thou shalt not commit adultery, I don't pray about it and see if God's really true. If God's word says, thou shalt not steal, I don't have to pray about that. And if the Bible says, go you in the world and preach the gospel, I don't have to fast and pray about that. I already know because God is a God of the absolute what he says is always absolutely true and always absolutely for our benefit. I don't have to go off and think about all these things. All I have to do is read it, believe it, and do it. Do you understand that? We're, We're doers of the word, not thinkers of the word. Not thinkers. In the book of Luke, chapter 19 and verse 13, this is what it says. It says, So he called ten servants... And delivered them ten pounds and said unto them occupy till i come occupy we've been left here to occupy because there was a war happening back in jesus day and all the way through the old testament and jesus won the war and now we are his captains and generals of that war and what we've got to do is we've got to occupy there's another scripture it's the same scripture um, but I just want to see where, where it is now um, I put oh here it is it, it really says in that same scripture in another context it says let us do business we are left here to do business we are not left here to take up space and suck in air we're left here to get on with business We are in business. God's not in the concrete business or or in the, um, what's that business, jabbing business with needles. He's not in that business. He leaves all that to the humans. Uh, He's in the business of winning souls. So that means we may live here on earth and we may be a teacher at a school, and that's good. You may build cars or caravans like some people do here in this church, and that's good. (coughs) But you're not left here to build a caravan or to build a road or to be a teacher at a public school. Your main purpose to be here is God's purpose to win souls. Do you understand that? To win souls. But some people don't win souls at all. Some people haven't read that uh, part of the Bible. I I want to just share (coughs) my testimony on being born again. Now, my dad was a ruffian. He was a sinner of the worst kind. He was addicted to so many habits. In fact, he was so addicted, but he was so poor, he didn't have enough money to buy his drinks and cigarettes. So he used to make his own alcohol and go to the pub all the time. And he used to fight a lot. My uncle was the middleweight champion of Australia for wrestling at the Sydney Stadium and has one of those great big things. My dad. Uh, trained a guy called Chesty Bond. Anybody know about Chesty Bond? Know about Bond underwear? Well, that was Chesty Bond and my dad trained him, he was a friend. So they used to go down fight all the time. He used to go down the pub, drink and fight all the time and get bashed up. And But he used to run out of money for cigarettes. So he used to get us boys and take us down um, through the week outside theatres and we were on his uh, butt brigade. We used to pick up all the uh, unfinished butts from the gutter. And we'd fill up bags and bags. And then Dad would cut the ends off with us and get his own to roll his own. That's the kind of thing Dad, Dad did. He used to swear like a trooper. And one day he went to work and he was um, making some air conditioning units, big ones like this. And he was dropping everything and saying some right words. And, and one day a man walked in through the door. It's good when God sends somebody into the home or into the family or or with, with a... Um, to an unbeliever. God's already got the two prepared. He's already been working on the sinner and already been encouraging the saint. And so this man walked in. His name was Keith Rapkins. Um, He just died, I think, last year at 94. And Keith was a Christian, but Dad didn't know. And Keith said to my dad, hey, look, you're having a bit of a bad time today. Can I help you? Dad said, no. I don't need anybody to help me because Dad thought he was going to charge. And Keith said, no, 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 I don't want any money. I just want to give you a day's work for nothing. And my dad said under his breath, come in, sucker. Come in, sucker. And they worked all day. They did heaps of work. And Dad was so excited about getting so much work done that at the end, he walked up to Keith. Come over here. I don't want to hop down and up again. You don't want to help me." He walked up to Keith and he took Keith by the hand and he shook his hand. He said, "Keith, thank you so much. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And I'll be right there for you." Back in 1956, the handshake of an Aussie bloke, whether he was a believer, it was it was as good as a written contract is today. And Dad said, "I'll be there for you, mate, mate." And mate said, "Well, tonight, uh, how about you coming with me to a church meeting? It's a big tent." with a man called old oh, Roberts preaching in it and I want you to come and hear what God's got to say my dad wished he'd never opened his mouth my dad wished Keith didn't even come into his factory and help him do some work but he'd already shook on it and he said okay I'll be there he comes, dad comes home and he grabs my brother and I throws him in the bath he says if I've got to suffer at this church you're going to suffer with me I was only 8 years old to suffer with me and still at this time I really wasn't talking. I just obeyed. We go off to church. I thought when we drove up it was going to be a circus and dad thought it was a circus.
0: <coughs>
1: we sat down and all Roberts preaches the message. I still remember what he said. I was only a child, but I still it went into my spirit. And not only that, but things went in my dad's spirit too. And then our Robert said, I'm going to now ask people, if you want to change your life, if you want to be, uh, become a Christian like I am a Christian, if you want God to take away your sins and save you from condemnation, uh, I'm going to uh, give you an invitation. He had everyone stand up. He said in a couple of moments, I'm going to ask you if you want to receive Jesus to put your hand up. My dad didn't put his hand up. My dad put his both hands down like this. And he grabbed my brother by this hand and squeezed the blood out of it and me by this hand. No way on God's earth were we going to be going like this because Dad had held our hands down. No way did Dad want us boys getting mixed up with some holy roller from America. So then something started to happen. Dad had been, had, had been preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit was now moving amongst the congregation. And when Oral turned around and said, is there anybody here that wants to give their heart to Jesus right now? Just put your hand up. My dad went. (laughs) I got saved and I didn't even know it. That's how I got born again. We went to this tent with a man that was completely insane when it came to being a sinner and a swearer and, a, and an alcoholic and everything else. And we went home with a different man. I thought I was in the wrong car. <laughs> Dad wasn't swearing. So Dad goes home. First Sunday morning, we went to church, Pentecostal church. And dad turns around and says to the pastor, I'm the new Christian. And the pastor said, Well, that's really great. What, what are you teaching your children? The son of uh, the Word of God. He said, I don't even know the Word of God. Don't even know it. And the pastor said, Well, the Bible says, train up a child and the way he should go. So my, my dad began to teach us. And he bought oh, the whole Bible on LP record. The whole Bible on LP record and I wasn't going to school I was not fit for school so every day he played me a (coughs) a whole um, book of the Bible every day at the end of 66 days I thought that's good that's over Dad put Genesis on again (laughs) I heard a book of the Bible every single day for years and years and years train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old He shall not depart from it. Amen. I'm sure glad that Keith Rapkins came to help my dad that day because he changed the world for me and many other people. When God created Adam, God created Adam and put him in the garden. The garden's an important place for Adam. Uh, and he put Eve in there too. Do you know the three things that God gave to Eve, uh, Eve in the garden? We never mention, we never think of it. God God, God gave Eve uh, three things. There was gold, there was precious stones and there was bedellum. Do you know what they were for? You know what gold's for, don't you? precious. women wear gold and precious stones every day, every day, every day. But they don't know about bedellum. The only thing you can make out of bedellum is perfume. God said, hey, you're a woman. You're going to need these three things. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you that. God loves people. So some years ago, Susie and I decided to move and we bought a block of land. And we bought this block of land just near Movie World it's on top of a hill and it looks down the valley. It's really lovely. And Susie said to me when the house was built, she said, Honey, I want you to build me a garden. She loves flowers and gardening. And so I said, Okay. So I go out and I got this big pick and I slammed it into the ground and it shut it all the way out and nearly dislocated my shoulder. I, went, I, was, I was back inside in three minutes. I said, I'm not building a garden for you, it's just rock. We had no dirt, no soil, not even that thick across our, our property. Just rock. So Susie said, I still want a garden. So my birthday was coming up. You know what she bought me for my birthday? A jackhammer. <laughs> jackhammer. So I went out and I dug into that rock with the jackhammer, cut all the rock away, holes this deep to put soil and mushroom, mulch and cow, you know what that is is—stuff, and, and we, it, we turned it into a beautiful garden. We've got trees and lilies and <coughs> things all grown and fruit trees all in rock and one day my neighbour from down the road he walks up and I'm just doing something I, I had something like 200 in, in, <coughs> in the front yard and he said to me you have such a beautiful garden there's no garden in the whole suburb like your garden, but I've only ever seen the front. Can I look out the back? I said, Yeah, come on out, come on out. So he came out, and he said to me these words. In awe, he said, "You should be so grateful to God that God gave you this beautiful garden." And you know, what I said to him, "And don't be, don't be, just you know, don't, don't be upset." I said to the man, you should have seen it when God had it on his own. (laughs) I wasn't being disrespectful to God. God gave me the the ground. It was up to me now to fertilize, to water, to plant and to reap. God didn't leave us down here to not sow and reap into the kingdom of God. God's done what God's had to do Jesus came and died for the sins of the world, but now Jesus says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But the problem is, <clears throat> some people never go out and preach the gospel. We think, oh gee, if, 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 if we preach the gospel, we might upset somebody. Then let me tell you, after the last day, there's going to be a lot of upset people. Might as well get it. And I had people say to me, and that they had, they said you know so and so passed away, They were a friend of mine and, and I think they went to hell well, didn't you tell them about Jesus I thought they'd be embarrassed don't be embarrassed about telling the truth you don't really, the, the best gospel you can sell is yourself being a born again believer and acting according to the word of God the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 8 and verse 20, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are still not saved. There's hundreds of thousands, and, and let me tell you, there are millions of people out there that have never heard the gospel properly. All they've heard about what TV news readers say about churches and preachers and stuff. Which is to, I would never be a preacher, they say, "Look what those preachers did, and half the things that they talk about never ever happened. The harvest is gone, and we are still not saved. Sometimes human being Christians have an attitude that they're not capable to lead a sinner to the Lord. Don't tell that to Sue. Two witnesses to people all over the place, and get them saved. Just get them totally born again. I have the attitude that we have to believe that when we got born again and when we got filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God came upon us and gave us power. You might not have had that power before, but now you've got power. God gave you power, the Holy Ghost. So that when you sit and you talk to people who are not born again and i'll tell you it could be your own family it could be the people right next door i think we've spoken to every one of our neighbors everywhere we've lived for the last 50 years haven't we sir everyone and susie um she's not embarrassed and she doesn't come up with a bible like this she just comes up with susie and says you know, can I pray for you? You don't look well today. You'd be surprised how many people go, oh, I'm not really well. Well, Susie said to one lady um, uh, about a dad, and she said, my dad's in hospital. Susie says, can we pray? She says, yes. Susie goes to, wherever Susie goes, Susie will go into a, soup, uh, not a supermarket, a coffee shop. Honey, can you just go like this? She's addicted with coffee. <laughs> I wouldn't tell it all of you but she is she'll go into a coffee shop and she'll say Lord I want to have a cup of coffee where do you want me to sit and she goes over and she sits with a little old lady shares with her the gospel we get phone calls and cards from that little old lady what 15 years later, 20 years later still, all the time I'll tell you a little bit more about Susie um, later on but you but Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the outermost part of the world. When we went to Papua New Guinea as missionaries, I thought I knew about the people in Papua New Guinea, but I really didn't. I thought I was going there to teach them everything, But quite honestly, they taught me a lot instead. It's true, isn't it, sir? I grew up in New Guinea. When a lady comes in, and you're only 21 and a half or 22, and she's been scalped by her husband with a machete, and you sit down and you've got to sew a scalp back on, you grow up very, very fast. You you do. So We started a medical center there. And we did all the medical work, didn't we? We didn't have a doctor there. We were too young to know about doctors. No one told me about them. So so what you've got to do, you've got to say, well, I want to be a part of God's troop. I want to be used in power by the Holy Ghost. And if there's a neighbour or someone down the road or someone that you meet that has a need, offer the great solution. The great solution... Whether it works or doesn't work is not the jab for uh, the virus. The best solution we can give to anybody is the Word of God. Word of God. We're all going to die, but some aren't going to go to heaven. So the best solution is to tell them and give them hope about their future and about their kids' future. Now, my dad, he, <coughs> he was radically saved. He, he never went back to the drink, never went back to fighting um, and pub fighting and that, and never went back to the, you know, the um, other things, and I remember one day he said to me, "He said, uh, Greg, he said, um, uh, I'm going for a walk, and I want you to come for a walk with me." So we walked out the front door, and we're walking up the road. And as we're walking up the road, Dad says to me, uh, "We're going off to tell somebody about Jesus." I mean, how many how many people do that today? I'm going to go for a walk and tell someone about Jesus. But Dad was confident that that the Lord had put upon his heart to go witness to somebody to this day and to win them to the Lord and into the kingdom of God. So we're walking up the road and there was no one there and so we walked across the top, you know, and coming back down, it was about a two-kilometer, two-and-a-half-kilometer walk. And as we're walking down this hill, we see a guy washing his red Walsley car. Most of you don't know what a Walsley How many of you know what a Walsley is? Yep. Thank you, thank you. You're you're over 16? Okay. A red Walsley car, And Dad says, that's the man that's coming to Jesus today. Now, my dad was a man of faith. So he starts sharing the word with this man. And what do you think the guy said? Rack off. (laughs) He swore at me because I put my hand on his new polished car. Rack off. So dad just didn't get offended. Dad just kept on sharing his testimony, his testimony, how what God did for him changed him from from here to here and now he feels wonderful peace in his life. So the young man thought, well, I'll come up, we better come up with an excuse because this guy's not going to go away. I'm just going to have to (coughs) get rid of him somehow. So this man, his name was Roy Matthews. Does anybody know Roy Matthews? He goes to flame Tree just somewhere here at the Baptist Church. And so um, he said, hey, listen, mate, to my dad. He said, if you can get my landlady to go to church, I'll come with her. But I ain't giving my heart to that Jesus you're talking about. So dad says, okay. So he goes inside he says to the landlady, uh, I've been telling this young fellow out here about Jesus and um, he said he'll only go to church tonight if you come. And she said, what time does it start? Dad had that. Can I say Gutsu? Susie's English, all right? So there's some things I don't get to say that often. So Roy goes to church and he gives his heart to the Lord. And that's when, that was back in 19, oh, probably 60, 61. He's still a Christian today. He went to Bible school. He marries a Christian girl. Loves the Lord so much, he then becomes a missionary. He still does missionary work today. He goes around the world and does work in all these countries, Asia, with kids and so forth. Because Dad had the intestinal fortitude to stand up for his own conviction. What I really want to do today... <coughs> Is to challenge people to say, I want to become a missionary in my own community. I want people to say, There are relatives of mine I've never told about Jesus. There are next door neighbors. Some people will go to Africa to be a missionary, but they won't go next door and tell the people next door because too close to them. They might say no. But I want people who are Christians today to turn around and say, I'm with God and I'm going to do what God asks me to do. Think about a person that you would like to be a Christian that's not living for the Lord right now and you might be overwhelmed at what the Lord will do through you and you will see a great increase into the kingdom of God. Have faith in the Holy Spirit. I want to ask people to become partners with God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost. I mean, if you've got God as a partner, Jesus as a partner, and the Holy Ghost as a partner, you can move the world. (coughs) You really can. When I was a, a young missionary... I didn't know what I could do till I put my trust in Jesus and the Holy Ghost. In fact, one of the first people I ever prayed for was a blind lady at a uh, a village or camp called Hosh Camp, and they were the uh, people from Daru on the Fly River. They they had migrated to Port Moresby, and I went the first Sunday I gave a sermon. And I gave an article and all these people came and gave the house to Jesus. And, and because I'd been in Pentecost all my life, the next thing you do is ask people to come forth for prayer for healing. And, and I said, come, if you've got a, uh, a sickness or a disease, just come forward, God will heal you. And this blind lady came. And I thought to myself, Lord, what did I say that for? I've never prayed for a blind lady before. And I prayed for her and her eyes opened. She had never seen anything for Years and years and years. I tested her because I'd seen some of these guys on TV. They say to her, and how blind are you? So I said that. And she says, I'm blind. I said, well, just let me test you totally. Uh, look here at the Kila, Kila Mountain here and tell me how many trees are on top. I cannot see the mountain and I cannot see the trees. I said, well, Lord, all I can do now is lay hands on her and pray for her. I prayed for her in Jesus' name. She turned around and walked away, stepped over her feet and around chickens. And and I said, lady, I thought you were blind. She says, I was, but Jesus heal me. You're not going to have a result unless you do something. And God's going to stand behind you. Some people, they don't really want to come to Jesus, but they're not always in control. Honey, can you just hop in for a minute? This is not sermon number two. Oh, yes, darling. She's younger than me. Susie went to a meeting one time and this is what happened.
2: (laughs) Yes, just before I met Greg, young teenager, sitting in the meeting and a young man was speaking. I can't remember his message and he was very monotone. He just sort of, Preach like this you know same voice but in the middle of his message he said if God called you to be a missionary in New Guinea would you be willing to go and I'd seen missionary films that people had brought back from New Guinea and everything within me just went no <laughs> I would not want to go and I thought hang on a minute I've just joined Bible school given my life to the Lord And if I'm going to go into ministry, if I say no, that's kind of stalemate. God will still love me, but I would never progress into the things that God wanted me to do. And so I sat there in absolute quandary wondering what I should do next. Well, praise God, the Holy Spirit has an answer. And next thing the young man said, if your answer's yes, that's fine. He said, but if it's no, let me ask you another question would you be willing to be made willing? And I went, yes, I can do that. I love altar calls. And I went forward at the altar call, knelt at the altar down here, and I just said, Lord, I am willing to be made willing, but I hope you never ask me to go to New Guinea. (laughs) And I put it out of my mind and never thought about it again. Met Greg, got married, and... Two years later, I was sitting in a meeting and God said, now is the time I want you to respond to go to New Guinea. And you know what happened? There was no fear. There was no holding back. Absolute joy and excitement because whatever God asks us to do, he gives a mantle of grace upon us to do his will. And I was just listening to Greg and I flicked over to Luke 4.18 And this is your homework, guys. Go home, memorize that scripture, put it in your heart. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And it goes on to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to preach deliverance to those that are browned. Praise God, his mantle of grace is there for us, he gives us his ability.
1: Let me read you another scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 9. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding feast. There's going to be a wedding one day. God says, invite them to come along. Invite them. Go out. If you've got somebody next door, invite them to come along to Jesus. You know? And Jesus, honestly, is the answer for everything we do. Now, I just had Susie come up and tell you about her beginnings. And um, uh, I want you to know that sometimes the people you think are the people who are never, ever going to come to Jesus, like my dad and Roy Matthews, um, they're the ones that God's been working on for some time. Sometimes you're not the link in the chain that's going to bring them together. Sometimes you're just, uh, some, I mean, you're not the clasp. Sometimes you just a link. And a, and a chain is many links. And you may witness to somebody today and then somebody down the road and somebody in two years might witness to them and then finally they come to Jesus. But it's because some have sown and some have, you know, You know, we're all different ministries. Don't be embarrassed if someone says no. Can I say this? I passed a church in Darwin. It was the fastest growing church in the state of the Northern Territory. We grew just so much. And I used to say to our people, um, I know you want to go witness down on the street but sometimes the best place to win someone to the Lord is at the back of the church on Sunday morning because you will find there'll be people out there who are hurting there are people out there who may be going through divorce, people who are on drugs. Susie and I are dealing with people this, right now aren't we? We've got, we've got a family coming on Tuesday to spend time with us because they're going through divorce and he's uh, uh, got cancer, right? So, so what, we, what we need to do is just say, well, Lord, um, we're just going to be open to speak on your behalf. So some of the people, the Lord's already preparing and some maybe he's never, they've never listened. And one day we had a problem and Susie invited a murderer. Our house. He was a murderer. All right, he was the white ant killer. (laughs) We had some white ants in the back fence, so we just rang a number. White ant fixer number, murderer killer white ant people. You know, and um, we didn't know who they were. Never had white ants before, so. Susie's always prepared to just share the word. Not preach and say, "Yeah, you know, Bible bash him. She's just willing to say, Lord, use me. So this big white van pulls up outside and the guy had never been to church. His mother was a Buddhist. His father was a non, uh, well, he was a Catholic, but didn't go to church, right? So this guy pulls up outside and he's coming into our home where Susie is. So he walks around the van, comes around the corner of the garage, up towards the front door, and he hears this voice. You will not leave this place the way you came. Goes back to the van looking at no one there so I must be hearing things so he walks down up to the front door again and he hears the same voice and it says you will not leave this place the way you came looks around again no one's there knocks on the door he's going to kill white ants he meets Susie then he meets Jesus white ant killer never been to church Family doesn't promote Christianity. Buddhist lady. He gives his heart to Jesus. His name was Lenny, or is Lenny. Lenny takes a year off work and goes to Bible school. Lena, do you know Lena? In Springwood. Living for Jesus. His wife gets born again. Lovely Christian. Isn't that great? You don't have to plan; you just have to move. See, moving is not rushing. You you move. you move in the things of the heart. It's not. It's not forcing. It is just a way that God moves through you. So then, what happened was Susie decides that she's going to. Uh, witness to one of my daughter's friends in Darwin. Her name is Tina, Greek girl. And she shares with Tina just the things of God and salvation. But Tina doesn't respond. Tina goes backwards because (coughs) they're Greek. I mean, God is the God of the Greeks. She doesn't need us Pentecostals. So we didn't see her for a long time, did we? 20 years? Hmm? Then one day there's a phone call. Hi, Susie. It's Tina Scleros here. I need Jesus. Can you... She said, I have an overwhelming desire to know about Jesus. So Susie goes and meets her, leads her to the Lord, takes it to a church now if you go to this church the best place to take them is this church because at this church <coughs> they're going to meet some long lost brothers and sisters and family's a wonderful thing so we, because we travel we took her to a, a, a church that are a friend church of ours that Sunday they talked about bat- baptism next Sunday she got baptised isn't that wonderful it's not hard In fact, if I can say anything, it's very, very, very normal. Some years ago, I was um, ministering in South Australia. And just before I spoke, a family walked in the door and sat along the back row. There was a man and his wife and three daughters... And the wife and the three daughters had all handmade dresses of the same floral colour, and they all sat down. And during my message, I must have said we'd been in Darwin. And after I had spoken, this man came up and said, can I ask you a question? You probably <laughs> can't give me a, an answer, but let me just ask you. Um, you. You lived in Darwin for a while? I said yes. He said, do you know a person called Gus Fenner? Do you know Gus Fenner? He's a the YWAMer these days. He said, um, uh, do you know a guy called Gus Fenner? And I said, no. I, I said, yes, He's, uh, he was one of our youth leaders. Uh, do you know him? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, where did you meet? He says, well, after Cyclone Tracy, he said, we uh, went down a few years after Cyclone Tracy, probably 10 years, he said, All of us hippies went to Darwin and we um, uh, lived down in the long grass. They called us the long grass people in Darwin because the grass is long along the hills before the beach and we just lived there, he says, and and, um, what we did, he said, we just um, lived with our girlfriends, fornicated, took drugs, got drunk, you know, and uh, this guy Gus Fenner came down to the long grass people and started telling us about Jesus. He said, I wasn't interested in Jesus. I was more interested in the girl I was with and what I was uh, putting into my body. He said, but the Centrelink department was a long way from the long grass. So I, I said to Gus, he said, look, I'll give my heart to Jesus. If you pick us up on Thursday and take us to Centrelink so we can get some money. I mean, not a really good reason, is it? He didn't think Gus was going to come, but Gus came. Gus picked him up and his girlfriend took him to assembly. Now I meet the guy, 20-something years later. And he said, that was me. I said, what do you do now? He said, I'm an Assemblies of God pastor. We can look at people and think, There's no hope for him. He'll never give his heart to Jesus. He's on pot. I don't agree with the way he lives. We're not asking you to. We're asking you to share the possibilities of becoming a Christian and him giving his heart to the Lord. The man is now out preaching the gospel and pastors of church in South Australia. Isn't that good? Oh, what I've really done today is, I haven't really preached, have I? I've shared some testimonies. My attitude is, if Sue can do it, you can do it. If my dad can become a believer, so can your friends. If Gus Benner can speak to a drug-addicted, pot-smoking grass person, well, say to some people today, like, Back in the Old Testament, they used to stone people for sinning and young people would say, oh, that sounds good, getting stoned again. (laughs) Let me give you two scriptures and I'm going to close. Proverbs 11, 30 says, The fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. I don't want to be negative, but I would imagine the opposite. That means he who doesn't win souls is pretty dumb you know what I mean it's our responsibility and obligation and when you win the soul I'll tell you what it will change your life it will change your life and Luke chapter 19 verse 10 for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost that's what we do we seek and save people who are lost can I just pray for you Lord are you going to pay me
2: I know, it sounds very daunting. But one time when we were in Darwin, we had our ladies group together and I said, what we'll do this week, we will, um, each one of us, think of a person that we would like to talk to. And we're going to pray for that person and pray that God will give us wisdom to know how to say it. So each lady did that and they came back with some wonderful testimonies. But I thought well if I'm telling the ladies to do this I better do it too and next door to us there was a retired couple and the old gentleman used to he was Greek too used to sit under the mango tree every day and have his cup of tea and I always used to wave to him and we'd shout to each other across the fence I said okay Lord next time I see him there under the tree I'm not going to wave and say hello I'm going to jump over the fence run over sit down at his table and say hi I've got something to really share with you would you like me to tell you about my testimony and how I received Jesus and that's what happened well praise God he was so touched by the testimony that I said would you like to receive Jesus as your saviour I said I can pray with you now and so we prayed the prayer of salvation. He accepted the Lord. He had tears running down his eyes. And his wife came out of the house with, she didn't speak English, with a tray of drinks for us. And she put them down and she looked at her husband and she looked at me. What have you done? <laughs> you know, what have you said? And I said, I think we need to interpret to the wife, you know. And uh, six weeks later, old Steve passed away but oh, thank God for that day. So that's, you know, just to encourage you that each one of us, we have the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit wants to reach out and touch people and he can do it through us. And all we have to do is really be ourselves to show love and kindness and caring. My neighbor across the road, I've been talking to her for quite a while with just testimonies and the other day, she came out, she says, oh, I'm trying to get to the train station. I said, I can take you. I said, I'm just going down the road, but I'll take you all the way to the train station. And she just wrote back, thank you so much, you know, for doing that for me. I said, you're very welcome. But it's just a step. It's just a stepping stone, a link to, to bring it into reality. Praise God. I was going to say,
1: Susie joined a bowls club. Not because you want to play bowls. She wanted to meet people. Who weren't Christians. And so she goes along and wins people to the Lord at the bowls club. So, so then she joins a gym, all right? Wins people to the Lord at the gym. And then she has some people walking past the front of the house. They got to talking, hello, how are you? Won the ladies to the Lord who won two more ladies to the Lord. And that's how it goes with the life. Yeah, you're in danger when you meet Sue. <laughs> Alright? And, and so you know, that's, that's what happens in Susie's life. She just meets people and she's bubbly. People just like her. And uh, so they want to have what she's got. Um, uh, Lord, just bless these people. Lord, give them a the desire to have someone in their family to, to, to witness to, and their friends, work. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I just have those couple of books? I'll try and only be a minute. Well, go get it quickly. She's bossy, isn't she? Uh, What's that? Please. Please, honey, please. Um, This one, oh, this one here is, some of you may have this. It's probably one of the best books we have for evangelism. Um, 26% of Australians are dying of cancer. Um, I've had three family members in my early days that have died of cancer. And so this is called... Uh, cancer Defeated Foe. It's got seven testaments of seven different people healed with terminal cancer. Um, and people who aren't Christians get this book and read it and get healed. And so that's that one there. If if you would like a good read, um, this is our book on um, being missionaries. We call the People That Time Forgot. We actually work with um, people who were, um, what do you call them, cannibals, you know? Um, and so that's a, uh, we, we have many people buy this and give it to uh, their unsafe families. And the unsafe people ring me up and say, oh, I read your book, it's so good, because they're reading it as an autobiography. So that's there. there uh, yeah, there's photos in there. Um, so up, up the back here, uh, I've written all these books except one, Susie's one. Um, and we've got two tablecloths, blue and yellow, uh, If you buy off me, they're the normal price. Um, Because believe it or not, I I am part Jewish, right? My grandfather was a Jewish... No, I am. My grandfather was a Jewish businessman. And Susie's English. So she steals my books and puts them on the yellow tablecloth. And all those are about half price, or sometimes less, all right? Um, So that that one there is there. Uh, If you're a girl, and this is for guys too, this book is called Bless and Curse Not. And I think I spoke on this the last time I was here about how God blessed us in building a church. And, uh, and then um, this is the book. We've done two of these. One's the blue one, one's the pink one. And it uh, when you open up, it's a journal. So it, it starts off with um, a big section. You might end up with 50 of them or 30 of them. And then you've got people who want to be healed, and, and families who are having problems. All this groups, and you're right in there. These are normally $22.50. Susie's selling them for $10, all right? And I don't think she's even asked me about that yet. Um, uh, the first time I came here, I spoke on health. Uh, I've got three books on health, and um, uh, doctors buy this, nurses buy. We had one nurse buy 100 of them, just to give away. So that's there. And then we have kids' books. Um, Go up and have a look at those. My daughter did these. They've got beautiful poems for them. And um, and then I've got a set of four books like this. This one's called uh, Weapons of Warfare. And I've got one, Hearing the Voice of the Lord. I think I'm the only person in Australia that gave a word of knowledge to a couple. The Lord told told me one night, we prayed about the couple. She'd just had a baby, just came home with the baby, and the husband was going to murder the baby on that first night home was going to throw it off the balcony and the Lord spoke to me we interceded and we felt good that things were held up I went and visited the man the very next day with a young uh, pastor and he said what have you come to see me about I said last night God told me that you were going to murder your son and the wife said "No no way he said to his wife be quiet I was going to throw him off the balcony last night so they divorced and how many years later, sir? Five years later, I was called up by the courts to go to court and give a testimony of a word of knowledge. All right? So you can be used of God. Just See, some people think you've got to come to church with a word of knowledge. No, you can, you can have it at home with your family. You know? So there's that. Um, we have a, a bunch of CDs here, which are absolutely beautiful. Just music. You can... Um, put it on before the husband comes home it softens the mood of the house uh, and then we have this book here which Susie saw, the, the CD uh, Less Than Half Price um, this one here is uh, uh, Bible and, fiction, and Scientifically it proves the Bible has all the scriptures there and we go through Moses and Adam and all that kind of stuff, uh, Joseph uh, and then we've got these some people have seen this Ooh. just that Right leg. It's got no sight. Anybody seen this before? You have. You have. Okay. Um, we've got them now laminated, which are very uh, much better. Um, and that is, I am who I am because God said I am. Susie calls it because she's English. The Dunny Door poster. That's what I think. I must be me. Uh, and we've got another one uh, called I am the great I am about who uh, God is. And then my daughter's done one up there, the map of Australia. And so they're all up there. God bless you. Thank you very much, Pastor.